Hello, this is John Renaud, and you're listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival via the CEF.world. Check us out, Uncommon Genius for the Common Types. Hi, I'm Raphael Noble, and welcome to the Mobile Radio Carnival with your host, John Renault. That was fantastic, Cole, man. I like that a lot. Hey, can you do that in Spanish? Um, a little. Give it a shot. I've had some other guests do it. I just, I get a kick out of this because it's, I think it's like a bastard word, like carnival or something. Some of them are. Um, no. Let me no? see. Let yeah. me see. Um, if I can remember any Spanish, um, mi nombre is Rafael Noble. Benavidas to the radio to the mobile radio carnival. Damn, that sounds good. Even I don't know if you see. I don't know if you made a mistake or not, but it sounds good, brother. So, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for doing this with me. This is a bold adventure that I'm on. I'm interviewing people that I think are the most interesting people that I know. So, well, so why am am I yeah. here today? Well, I, I find you interesting for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Well, we do tend to entertain ourselves sometimes. So I heard with you, mm-hmm. I don't know about this. It seems like a very strange thing to me. A thing called a care actor. What the hell is a care actor? A care actor. Yeah. Um, That's what you are, in, in effect, at this point, right? I am. Nice. I, that is one of the things I am. Um, I'm a, a multi hyphenate, nice. of course. Um, but... I didn't know you were a hyphenate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of an actor, writer, um, and a care actor, and and a care actor. What the hell do they do? It sounds like a Care Bear. I don't know. I know it does, and it's kind of like that. The cuddly actors. You oh, know, okay. They care about oh, interesting. But more importantly, um, I worked for Kaiser Permanente, right? Um, as a contract worker in their educational theater program, and um, within that program, I am designated as a cast member or a care actor, right? And what I do is uh, work with um, the company to help. Um, their doctors communicate better with patients. Right. And um, we sometimes will do um, programs that you know, stimulate doctors' um, creativity or, or humanity, if you will. Right. And, and I'll tell you, John, I've acted for a number of years, and this is probably some of the most fulfilling acting I do right now. That's fantastic. And the reason why is because, you know, I've gone through some challenges myself physically, uh, med- uh, medically. And... <clears throat> I know how important it is firsthand to be um, to be in the, in the presence of, of a doctor that's caring and, and empathetic and 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 I know that 20, 30, 40 years down the line, long after I'm gone, right, there will be somebody in need of a of of of, of somebody that cares and somebody that has empathy at, at, at a crucial time in their life. And so, when I do this work, this is my legacy in a way, right? You know, and I and I, I love doing it. So I noticed that you used a magic word there called empathy. Empathy, yeah. He said, now you didn't say exactly that I read somewhere that uh, some people, when they describe this work, namely me, because I do it as well, Yeah, uh, I go to the immediate of saying, I help teach doctors empathy. Okay. Right? Yes. Because I think in a strange way, for me at least, it's always made it kind of impactful and then they'll go, well, what do you mean, you know? Sure, um, sure. And you've hit the magic word empathy because that is one of the, the key things that when we do this, again, I, I was kind of half jesting in the idea that I didn't know what a care actor is. I am a sure. care actor as well at Kaiser, 
lovely, lovely work experience for me. Absolutely. And, and we teach doctors empathy. Now, why would I describe it that way? I mean, would you take your best guess as to why I would describe it that way? Because it's probably the most measurable criterion for the work we do. Right. You know. Um, um, so what does that mean when we teach doctors empathy? What, how, and, and then also, how do we do it? Well, John, you know, as you know, in addition to um, uh, my time with Kaiser, um, I also spent 30 years um, with the Department of Health Services. That is one of the second subjects I want to get to with you, by the way. Okay. So don't lay too heavy on that right now. Okay, we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, because that's a very fascinating thing that you've done as well. Yeah, well, you know, I've worked with doctors outside of Kaiser. Yeah. And um, for years, um, as you've noticed as well, <clears throat> Medical school is tough, and and they teach you a lot of stuff, and you have you have to be on top of that. And I hate to I hate to be critical of of the way um, medical students are taught, but I don't think that they have the time to spend a whole lot with humanity and and, and dealing with people so much. I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal thing that they do to be able to fix people. Yeah, and, and they're, they are being taught to be uh, clinical, I think, is one of your points. Absolutely. Or part of your point. It, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, they're, they're fabulous clinicians, but sometimes they lose track of, of, of their, their own humanity. Yeah. And um, and it's not their fault. It's 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 the way that system is yeah, set it's up. Yeah, the pressures of what they have to learn, the expectations of what they have to fulfill. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in any internship, in, 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 in any profession, um, you've never heard of the kind of things they do to doctors. I mean, right. twenty-four hour shifts, right? And you're studying, and you've got to get up, and and you've got to, and you've got to be sharp, you know, to treat patients. You know, that's the reason why there's so many doctors that have emotional crises later yeah, on, the burnout, and yeah, all burnout. Exactly. Absolutely, you know. So, <clears throat> I think that as we help them to be more considerate of 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 of, of their of their patients. In terms of treating them like a human being, yeah. as opposed to a medical record number, yeah. then I think <clears throat> they start looking at them like, I wonder what my what my child would feel if, yeah. if he was if he was here. I wonder how I would feel if somebody was telling me this news, you know. And and that's what we do when we talk about teaching empathy. We try to show them what a person will feel in in the, in the most real terms um, uh, available. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so proud of this work. Right. Is because it, 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 it's, it's going to affect a lot of people. Yeah. And so we do it in um, different capacities. We do it uh, in empathy training. We'll do presentations that uh, our wonderful writers uh, put together um, that also make points and cover issues. And, and we do it in video uh, training as well. Um, and I, I, I personally have gained a whole new respect for what empathy brings um, to people. Um, and so maybe in a way, if you could describe, see, to me, it's very interesting because I know how I describe these things. Yeah. But would, how, how would you describe like the process of, of say, an empathy exercise? Well, <clears throat> there are... A, a number of exercises that we do, as, right. as you mentioned, you know, we do um, video coaching, we do scripted um, performances that address issues that affect um, uh, physicians outside of just their, their clinical their, their clinical duties. And <clears throat> one of the things that we also do is 
called communication skills intensives where we'll take yeah. some some physicians csi csi exactly yeah. <laughs> and i love csi yeah it's in, great in part because we get the opportunity to work with doctors for a three-day period yeah i mean virtually all day for that three days and <clears throat> we'll go into different rooms with smaller groups of doctors and and we will play different patients for them and <clears throat> Sometimes doctors may have a very, very difficult time telling somebody some bad news right. about their health. And so we'll play a patient that has um, that, that, that disease or, or, or that situation. And <clears throat> the doctor will have a chance to, to, to respond to it yeah. naturally. There's also a facilitator. And the facilitator will talk about, or will try to guide them in a direction that's empathetic. Um, I think for us as actors, as care actors in particular, I think one of the things that I learned early in my career, one of the things that I've, I've taught um, to my acting students is that there is nothing on the outside that you can do that will make an audience believe something that you don't feel on the inside. Yeah, I would agree. You know? Absolutely. And, and you know, and that's one of the things that, that, that we bring yeah. You know, we bring a very realistic portrayal. If I'm playing an angry patient, yeah. I can be very, very angry. Yeah, I've seen you do that. You can be. <laughs> yeah. And then you can be ultra-sensitive in scenarios as well. Absolutely. Um, because you do bring the whole wealth of what it is for you to be an actor to the process. And it really does, I think, benefit everyone. For me, from the acting standpoint, it's interesting because I kind of look at it a little bit like a Meisner class because I have to do improv a lot of times where I have my agenda yet I'm working with someone who's a, a real living human being who isn't playing by the rules of an acting game right right so I have to in Meisner obviously you you and I are aware of it but you tend to practice listening so that you can feel you know I'm doing my abridged version of what I, what Meisner means so I can feel what it is that you're conveying to me so I can listen with my body, in effect. Absolutely. And so with a doctor who's, it's unscripted, I think you develop, or I've developed a heightened sense of that, of like, because I, I have to listen more because I'm aware of actor habits and I can go, oh, I see where he's going or she's going with this. But sure. with a doctor, you never know. It's not, it's not like a process of beginning to end through some kind of structure. Oh, yeah. It's a wild ride, in effect, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, this kind of work that we do is not for every, for, right. for every actor. No, I would agree, too. You know. Um, because feedback becomes an interesting a feedback layer is, as well. Feedback is tough. Feedback, I think if you're in the process of, of like you're saying, with a, a moderate, uh, you know, a facilitator, the actor, a doctor, and then there's usually a panel of doctors as well. So yes. there's pressures in a lot of directions, you know, the doctor may feel uncomfortable simply because there's six of their peer watching them do this thing. Oh, certainly. Um, and most everyone throws into it and, and gives it their best. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really tricky, fascinating thing. And, and I have found that the feedback is probably the most important thing because that's, that what, that's what allows you to kind of stack it in to make sense to the person who's experienced it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so when you do that, do you just intellectualize and go, "Well, this is what you did, and here's a mistake you did, and you sh and you should do it this way"? Is that how is that how we're supposed to do it? Well, you know, for me, John, to be honest with you, before I, I before I talk about a doctor's empathy, 
Yeah, I've got to I've got to connect with my own. I think that's brilliant. And um, you're an actor. We're actors. Yes, sir. We're performers. Um, like a friend of mine once told me, um, her mother um, and her and her brother and she was shopping um, in the supermarket. Right. And the brother and uh, the brother and the sister were bickering, and the mother said, "Okay, now don't make me embarrass you up in here." Yeah. And my friend turned to her mother and said. Mom, I'm a professional actor. I, I embarrass myself for a living. <laughs> Every day I'm out there embarrassing myself. Sure. Yeah. But so, you know, I have to remember that um, most people would rather be decapitated rather than get up in front of an audience. Yeah. And so now you have a physician whose communication skills have been called into question. Right. And now he's sitting in front of a room full of his peers. And... So the first thing I try to remember is what was it like for me yeah. when I was a stutterer? When I oh, had to get interesting. up. I used to be a stutterer, yeah. When I used to have to get up in front of the class and read something. Right. Or do a report. Right. And how nervous I was. And so one of the first things that I realized before I opened my mouth about giving feedback is that this guy just went through that. Yeah. You know, so it's not just teaching empathy, it's having empathy. Yeah, that allows you to be a good empathy te uh, teacher. Is there such a thing as an empathy teacher? I think so. Okay, okay. I but think anyway, so. I mean, maybe if you want to be truly empathetic, you would call yourself an empathy co-experiencer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that might be getting a little removed from <laughs> from language that any person is going to understand, other than me, maybe. So yeah, 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 yeah. you would understand. Yeah, yeah I would get that. I like that. That's a good invention, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I get like it's it's. I was being a little facetious about like the feedback never tends to be you did something wrong. Here's yeah. a method that you just follow these rules and these magical things will happen between you and your patients. Obviously, it's a very I find it to be one of the more sensitive exchanges. For me, I, they've asked me in, in recent years to fulfill kind of the criteria of the white older gentleman who just hasn't really changed with the times and walks around espousing, well, where are the American doctors? Don't you speak English? You know, <laughs> Right, right. Which is a legitimate thing that happens um it's hard for me to believe but it it happens sure. on a, a real frequent basis and uh and so that it, it'll allow um the doctors to kind of break down and process how to better deal with that person and perhaps try to understand that it's not coming from a malicious place but maybe a place of ignorance right but it feels malicious when you have items like that thrown at you i'm sure um, so for me, that's one of the things that, that, that they've had me help them with. Is there any specific, like, trait that they kind of hung on to you with and said, this is kind of the thing we want you to do time and time and time again? Well, that's funny you should ask that, John, because um, um, I've been asked to, to play, you know, different roles, um, of course, as we all are. Right. But, you know, consistently for a period of, in, in my career with, with Kaiser, I was... Um, I was to be. Uh, I was usually asked to to play very author authoritarian types. Yeah, um, which makes sense with your voice and your presence and all of that. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, and then they tapped into, um, or they discovered that I can also do very sensitive side. Yes, you can. You know, and and <laughs> I, and recently, 
ironically, they have introduced some new programs. One is um, an end-of-life planning um, mm -hmm. program for doctors to talk, which is much. It's got to be very, very difficult. You know, I have I have picked up a lot of empathy for doctors. You know, over the time that I've been doing this, but um, so I've been playing a patient that has been um, that has lost somebody that he loves, right? Um, or that. Um, has to make a difficult decision about um, amputation or Eesh. or dialysis or Eesh. or perhaps has just found out that he, he has a terminal illness. Right. You know. So I've been playing those. I um, I I embrace those roles. I feel fortunate that I've, I've been given them because it's it's really great work as an actor. It is. But um, over the last year or so, I've been having some some of my own physical um, challenges. Here you go. <laughs> so. It has been easier for me to get there than it ever has before. Yeah. But sometimes, and, and I know you've done this before as well, most actors have, sometimes you play a role and it becomes so attached to you that it takes a while to get out of it. Yeah. And so playing that for a while um, created um, some stress in me. Yeah. You know, now I, I, I like doing it and, 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 I, and I insist on being able to do that. No, that's because you're rolling in those emotions. You're you're kind of invoking something. You're letting it kind of dwell within your body. So you, like you said, if it's not happening inside, you, it's not conveying. Yeah, but it was really happening yeah. inside. And so when it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen you go through this process, uh, and then, you know, we're spending at CSI uh, six hours a day, intensively doing this. Mm -hmm. And if it is kind of a repetition of the same energy, then you've been doing it for six hours. It doesn't just go away. No. Okay, hey, I'm done. I mean, I'm sure with some actors it does, or some people that consider themselves actors. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I've seen you go through it. It's it's a very very interesting process. I I I own it as well. I tend to I tend to get overwhelmed with like how complete it makes me feel when I'm I'm done with it. I don't really. I don't really get stuck or get caught would be a better way to say it in what I've done emotionally, yeah. but it, it turns into an emotional event for me. If this makes sense, it does where, where at the end of the day, I will feel kind of amazed if in, in, in a way that kind of makes me feel really emotional. And, and not drained, but kind of renewed. It's a very strange thing, but I, I love doing it. And I, 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 that was probably one of the most confusing confessions ever. <laughs> um, but I'm good at that, as you know, because we'll, yeah. we'll go and uh, uh, discuss the day over a drink or two, perhaps. Or two, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, it's coffee these days. But yeah, uh, um, but yeah it's, a, it's a great ride. And if I were to ask you, what is the ultimate benefit to the process? What would your response be to that? Both for you and the physicians, I um, and then I'm going to ask you about your other acting life. Okay, yeah, I bring um, um, over six years of experience, um, and during the six years, you know, I grew up in in um, a less than uh, how would you? Oh, I grew up in poor in, in poor neighborhoods. Yeah, and um. <clears throat> And I've experienced um, some of the harsher sides of life, yeah. you know, and and I've had a lot of injuries, and and um, 
I've had some encounters with some very hateful people and right and some very loving people as well. I mean, you know, I, I I've had a very full life. So what I bring to um, CSI uh, or, or to our program is um, is that experience, yeah. the sum total of it, and and I'm able to digest it, and I'm able to to, to interchange parts and, and things in order to meet the goals of, of the program and 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 in enhancing their doctors. Yeah. You know, the doctors, on the other hand, um, have the ability to work with with people that that are real patients, but they're just patients that can have any illness you want us to have. Yeah, I find that interesting myself. Yeah. Where where I'll overhear a doctor who's getting prepped to do the work, and they'll go, "Well, this guy's an actor, and it's going to be very you know whatever presentation or whatever." they slot into that yeah and i just think uh, yeah dude you wait like two seconds and you'll be done with that thought <laughs> <You know? true. laughs> and it it sometimes takes four seconds to be honest but yeah. not very often yeah you know it goes flying by and i would note along with what you said i think it's amazing watching um kind of the top of the heap that we get to work with the doctors yeah. that are very interested in teaching better communications and how to be empathetic with the patient um, the people that we work with are so delighted to take your talent all of that experience that you talk of all of your knowledge of interaction with people and exploit it for the best possible results that they know they can get I find that really cool out of the deal yeah yeah I I, I think that is as well and as a matter of fact I actually mentioned to one of our doctors I think on a, on a social media platform right um, I said, you know, thank you for uh, allowing me to assist you in, in helping these doctors. Absolutely. And she wrote back and said, I thought you were allowing me to assist you. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> you know, and and that's the kind of relationship that we have developed. Yeah. You know, they, and I think one of the great things about this program, too, is that they are able to look at, at the group of doctors that they have. Right. And then actually go to our boss and say, my class or, or my group is going to need somebody strong like John. Yeah. Or we're going to need um, a wonderful, um, sensitive young lady like like Jade. Yeah. Uh, or or maybe Sylvie with with her or uh, with her skills and and you which know, are plentiful, which are <laughs> amazingly plentiful. Uh, yes. And um, <laughs> and Danielle and. Yeah. And 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 Justin and yeah. and all the guys that work with us and Yumi yeah. and yeah. and Newton. I, I, there's just too many names I, to to mention. I probably shouldn't even bother. Betting, yeah, but. once you start down that path, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But um, you know, they work with us. They work with actors, care actors, like a really fine film director works with um, yeah. a top-notch director, a top-notch um, cast. I think that the um, the doctors who dedicate to being facilitators in, the, in this process really do um, have learned how to, I use the word exploit, hopefully that doesn't have a negative con connotation because it's just, they, they've learned how to go, oh, this is what these people do and they've worked very hard at figuring out how to utilize the skill set. I mean, they developed the program, right? Yeah, yeah. The doctors at Kaiser said, hey, you know what? Someone said one day, I assume this is how it happened. Someone said one day, you know what we should do? 
We're kind of in an area where there's a ton of actors. Maybe we could train them to think a little different for a day and help us do this. Thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's pretty bold. Exactly. Well, you know, I think it started with the success of the video coaching program. Interesting. You know, the video video coaching. How long have you been with Kaiser? I've been with Kaiser, uh, I think I'm approaching 20 years. Wow, now. congratulations. They, thank you. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised they haven't gotten rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> they keep trying. I mean, don't they know I'm on the team now? <laughs> yeah. Do they right. even still use you? <laughs> <laughs> I know they're trying to move me out. I think they're I, I don't play. Maybe that's my move. Hey, get that guy out of there. I can do some of those roles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I, um, I, like I said, I really enjoyed this work, you yeah. know, and um, it's never been for the money for me. Well, I don't know if I can exactly say that, but I've learned that it's not for the money. Yeah, 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 you know, I... I, I mean, you probably, because, see, here's one of the differences, and I, I do want to move into this conversation, uh -huh. too. You actually have been uh, a working actor in Hollywood. I'm still... Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still like elusive on that count. I still haven't rung that bell, and right. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's a process, and maybe maybe it's just not meant to be or whatever. But you have done it. You've you've appeared on many shows. Yeah. And so for you, you are kind of doing something an offshoot of acting. At the point that you took it, it had to feel a little bit like, well, I don't know if this is ex I don't really understand what they're trying to accomplish but I'll, I'll delve into it and see or did you really fully appreciate it when you made the jump well you know to be honest with you John um I haven't been acting all my life right um I am a relatively late um comer to acting um you just wanted to wait until you got really good at it that's all <laughs> <laughs> excuse me <laughs> I'm still waiting for that <laughs> no come on man <laughs> But you know, actually, I um, my acting career led me to, um, well, my previous careers led me to acting. Right. And when I first started acting, I would um, get um, roles from the Backstage West. Right. And I saw an advertisement in Backstage West for um, Kaiser for these actors. Oh, interesting! Kaiser. I didn't know they did that. That's so fascinating. They did, and so I went in and I talked to. Um, I met Lisa, yeah. Lisa Beastie Lipman. Our lovely boss. Uh, our, our wonderful boss. One of, one of our lovely bosses. One of our lovely bosses, yeah. And so we talked, and um, I did audition for them. They liked my work. Right. I was still pretty new in acting, but um, they hired me on. Nice. And then um, when they did, I started doing work for them, and and I was also working a, a, another full-time job. Mm. Um I was. Uh, this was Southern County, right? Yeah, yeah, Los Angeles County. Yeah, I had uh, entered Los Angeles County in the '80s as a uh, as a um, a systems analyst. Right. Um, I mean, you have a you have a legal degree, if I'm not mistaken. I right? do. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, you're like a smart guy. I don't know about until that. you started acting, and then you're like, <laughs> yeah. so you're like, what? Then that's out the window. Yeah, I guess I got to prove to the world I'm not. <laughs> but a conformist um, or something. The fact of the matter is that um, I've worked in, in computers for, for years. Right. I, I taught DOS 1.0. Right. I turned down a job to go to Microsoft. That's yeah. what kind is of idiot German? I was. DOS? Huh? Is that German? No. no I'm teasing. <laughs> DOS. <laughs> DOS. DOS computer. <laughs> but, um, and Windows um, um, early stages and stuff, I, I was, I was in, involved in it for years. Mm -hmm. It became a... Uh, uh, courseware developer. Um, I taught 
uh, 100 different software programs. Yeah. Um, but I got tired of that. And so I had an opportunity to take another job. I needed some legal training, so I start, I went and got legal training. Right. And um, I was doing um, civil service hearings. I was doing labor law, essentially. And um, I said, you know, I don't know about this. Yeah. And let me take a, uh, a class. I, I took an acting class so that I could become better at closing oh, arguments. Oh, interesting. You know, because, you know, uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of the legal work in, in a courtroom is is dramatic, right, and theatric, and so I said, let me do that and take this class and see how that goes. I took the class, and um, a week later, I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. She said, Why don't you find something you you, you really love? And I said, I don't know. I I, I kind of like acting. Yeah. And she said, Um. Really? And I said, yeah. I said, but I'm too old to get into, to start in acting now. And um, we walked out of the cafe and we were having lunch and there was a, a, a news box in front of the, the, the cafe. Yeah. And it's when they used to have like these magazines and they were free. They used to have a, a magazine called The Learning Annex. Mm. And on the cover of The Learning Annex, it said, make voice over your dreams. I was in that class the next Saturday. Nice, man. And um, stood that, stayed in that class for six months, sent out a tape, uh, got an agent, uh, commercial agent, and um, a month after that, I was in Vegas doing a series of commercials. I was the voice of a, of, of, of a, a Las Vegas um, casino. Man, it just fell for you. It fell right into place. That's cool. It fell into place, and then one day they said to me, you know, um, our commercial departments uh, are on-screen commercial department, seeing you in and out and like doing you know um, auditions. We'd like to know if you'd like to, 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 to go on camera. And I said, well, you know, well, hell, I'm here. Right. Just, yeah, let me give it a shot. Right. And started training and stuff, you know, and the next thing you know, I'm booking national commercials. And, and shows, right? I mean, you, you've done shows. some shows. What, what uh, just to give our whoever's listening an idea, what what shows come to mind when you say you're on shows? I know you were on uh, uh, um, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I did Sons of Anarchy. Um, uh, Sean uh, apparently liked my work because I also um, had done um, what was his previous show? Oh, um, um, the um, the, Shield. the Shield. Yeah, I had I had yeah. worked um, on the Shield as a uh, as a traffic director. Right, um, but. And then, uh, and, and one of the great things uh, about my career is that um, I'm black, uh, black American, but my father's Cuban, and right. so I get to play Hispanic roles and, and stuff. I played, right. I played, I think, a Dominican um, on um, um, Hill, not Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blue, and yeah, and I have been on Grace Anatomy, nice and, man. And um, CSI's and um, um, a, a number of Shonda Rhimes um, shows and that's cool. Yeah, and, and I've done a couple of movies too. Oh, a few what movies. Uh, what would you if you had to pick today? And I assume it would change tomorrow. What would you say was your favorite experience on in real Hollywood in television shows or on movies? What was your favorite experience? Well, um, and again, it would be different tomorrow. I get that. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, probably the work that I did in the movie um, Beginners. Uh huh. Now I lost <laughs> most of my lines in that movie when that happens. You know that, right? You know, in the, in the edit, you end up on the floor. But 
um, I got to work with um, Christopher Plummer and Ewan McGregor. Jeez. And a number of other really fine actors, you know. I, yeah. um, and also Gordon, oh God, Gordon's last name, I can't remember, but from um, ER. Mm-hmm. I had, um, pre- I forgot to mention, I previously worked on ER as a, a recurring guest star. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I did a few episodes of that as well. But working with Christopher and, and Ewan on this program and on on this on this movie was was particularly great for me um, because the story was so great. Right. It was about um, a, an older guy who had loved his wife and been faithful to his wife for, for many, many years. Uh-huh. And um, uh, Ewan McGregor plays the son of this couple. And after the wife dies, um, his father calls him up and says, listen, you know, your mom is gone now. I want you to know two things. Number one, I... Um, I have I have cancer, right? And number two, I'm gay. And he said, "What? <laughs> you know?" <laughs> and that's a whole lot to put on somebody. But it's based on a true story. It is a lot. Yeah, it's based on a true story. Oh, I'm um, sure it's happened more than once on the planet. Exactly. Oh, sure, absolutely. And um, and it was a, it was a really touching film, and um, probably uh, one of the most rewarding things. I didn't win an award for for the movie, but. Christopher Plummer won his first um, Oscar oh, award. Oh, that's cool, yeah. You know, and Christopher Plummer was a legend. Yeah. You know, but he had never won an Oscar yeah. until he worked with me. Yeah. Well, there you go. You <laughs> bolstered him up, baby. That's nice, so. man. I guess so. But just working with the two of them and, and the entire cast. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, they were they were fabulous. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. I also know... One of the most interesting things we've talked about that is in your past is you went to college mm-hmm. out of the state of California. Uh, were you raised primarily in California? I was. You were East Coast to here, right? Yeah, I, I went from um, New Jersey to um, to to Los Angeles. Okay. In my first, my second year of high school. Okay, so East Coast mostly, L.A. Uh, to kind of finish, uh, round out your your scholastic, uh, at least your lower grades. Yeah. And then for some reason, you end up where? I ended up in Moorhead, Minnesota. Okay, Moorhead, Minnesota. Yeah. Now, I thought for some reason it was South Dakota. No, I ended up in Moorhead, Minnesota. I stayed at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota for approximately uh, a year and a half. And then it just became a little too much for me so was there culture shock involved with that may i ask um <laughs> it was uh it was it was culture shock of of, of biblical proportions and yeah I, I mean biblical proportions because what i went to was a lutheran liberal arts school right and um this was in, in the 70s early 70s and i was um from los angeles I yes was, i kind of grew up in in in, in south la but Many of my friends were were hippies, and I was part of the you know marches for civil rights yeah. and, and against the Vietnam War. I was, I was radical. Um, you still are in my mind, but <laughs> in a good way. I'm a more mellow radical. You're now. mellowed out radical. Yeah, but you know it it it, um, it was new for me. Um, for one thing, it, whether whether it was New Jersey or Los Angeles, I lived in a, in a pretty a pretty um, diverse area. So. Right. And there were people of all kinds. When I went to Minnesota, it wasn't just the ground that was white. Everything else was. Right. Um, and in a school of 3,500 people, there were 78 um, of us, uh, people of color. Yeah. And that included um, black, Latino, and uh, Native Americans. Yeah. You know, so it was very, very different for, for me. And um, 
the rules at 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 the, at the college were that um, there was no dancing allowed. That was oh, that's right. Yes. And there, um, I forgot about that word. Yeah, <laughs> you were expected to go to um, chapel uh, every Sunday, but they had chapel every day. So you could attend as well. Was this in line with your own personal religious upbringing? Well, you know, I grew up in the church and 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 in Christianity um, from uh, a small child, you right. know. But um, I'm a fan of Jesus, by the way. <laughs> okay, I, I like the way that he believes in forgiveness. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> Me too. That part I like a lot. I do too. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I, I don't want to hijack the story <laughs> on that. But it wasn't. It wasn't. I had never been in, in such an intense environment. And, um, and you know, it was like in the early 70s and, and, and people literally would walk up to me and said, you know, I've, I've never seen a, uh, a black person before. Yeah, and I'm sure the derogatory word was tossed out a couple times. Uh, more than a couple yeah. of times. I'd actually have people that ask, would ask me to, if they could touch my hair. Yeah, you I've know. been wanting to do that for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> just for... <laughs> I just don't. I'm not as brave as those people. I don't have the nerve to ask. Well, that's why I mention it so that but you. I'm going to touch John. it when you're not looking. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you know, yeah, we'd, we'd hear the night owls outside our our dorm room at night. You know, go home and word, go home. Oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. You was. told me some stories about bouncing too. You were a bouncer at one of the bars or something, oh, and you used to have guys like call you out based on that. Is, oh, if I understand the story correctly. Oh, absolutely. When I, I left um, um, Concordia College, uh, uh, Moorhead, and moved across the river to Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. And I um, went to North Dakota State University, and um, one of the first things I did was get a job at a, um, at. Uh, at the biggest cowboy bar. Yeah, in, that's what you told me. Right to get <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what they were trying to do is it was change their their um their market. Yeah. You know, from um rowdy cowboys to um to college students. They were I thought you were gonna change. say brothers from LA, but <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. But they um were trying to do that. But the problem that they kept running into was that um the college kids would come the cowboys would get drunk and they would beat them up. Oh, geez. Yeah. So um, a friend of mine had been approached by the owner and said to him, listen, I need to clean this place up. Yeah. You know, no college kids are ever going to come here unless I do. And so I need you to hire a couple of people that, you know, we can, you know, do this. So yeah. they hired me as a bartender slash bouncer. And every night, John. Um, Was a free for all, I assume. Damn near for the yeah. first month uh, yeah. or two months. But, you know, um, somebody would walk up to me, you know, I was standing at the door sometime and checking IDs and these guys would come in off the range and, yeah. and say, um, you know, goddamn, uh, N-word. Yeah. I mean, to my face. Yeah. You know, and it became, it became so common. Yeah. That um, I didn't even ask him anymore. What did you What did you call me? Yeah, I was gonna get to that uh, after you after you're done because it's like, do you become numb to that in the sense of like, uh, dude, I could care less of you. Like you've neutralized that word to me. I've had fifty of you guys or a hundred and fifty of you guys come in and say that. Like I could care less. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, did did you ever get to that place or did it always just bother you? I mean, it, it's bothersome that these guys have this mentality to me. Oh, but, absolutely. But hopefully, you understand my question. Yeah, I do. And and you know, the fact of the matter, John, is that it was um, 
I never got used to that word. I can believe it. You know, um, I, I'll tell you specifically, um, and I, this is not a, a, a good light for me, but a guy walked up to me and um, and one day said, um, I've been on, on the range for a while. I'm looking for a fight. Mm -hmm. And I heard that you, N-words, um, would give me a good fight. Mm -hmm. I punched this guy in the mouth and he fell on the ground and um, it was snow. Right. And there was blood coming out of his mouth and teeth. And he looked up at me and he looked at me, honestly, he looked, he looked me in my eyes and he said, why the F did you hit me, N-word? I mean, That's a little confusion going on in that boy's head, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that cowboy ain't thinking right. Yeah, no, he <laughs> That's wasn't. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to show you why. Right. And then uh, the rest is our... our now, I, I hate to correct someone in such a passionate story, but mm -hmm. I don't think that puts you in a bad light. Well, I I'm, think that's kind of my idea of a, of a potential hero. Like, I might slate you in the hero department for that. <laughs> well, you know. Um, because you're just standing your own ground and you're saying, hey, bully. Yeah. I, I'm not going to tolerate you pushing me around. I've been nice. I'm tired of being nice to you bullies. I don't see that that's, I don't see anything wrong. I know that in our society, yeah, we may yeah. have to apologize and acknowledge like, oh, I get that half the people in the room think the way I solve this problem is not ethical. Yeah. But truthfully, I don't care because I know in a humanistic sense it's absolutely the correct thing to do. I don't know. I think it puts you in a good light. <laughs> That's <Why>? my vote. <laughs> Just saying. But then again, you're John. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, I, you know, I, I appreciate that. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter, John, and I think we've talked about this sometimes, you know, um, I was involved in it, you know, in violence, you know, a lot in, yeah. during the, my college years, uh, even some in, 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 in my high school years. And, um, and I abhor violence. Yeah. I abhor it, man. And, and I'm probably madder at that guy right now. I gotcha. That makes sense. For drawing me into being violent yeah. than for actually calling me the N-word. Yeah. Taking you, know? you out of who you wanted to be, who you knew you were. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Again, it doesn't, in me, it, I value the part of you that made you do it. I, I don't want to negate yeah. what you're saying is important to you because sure. to me, part of the thing I want to do with even doing this show is to show people that we can all let everyone else be who they're supposed to be. Yes. And in saying that, my choice would be to say that part of it is heroic because you're already outnumbered. Clearly. You're being yeah. forced to stand your ground. It wasn't your choice. That's part of what sounds like it's making you angry, even thinking back on it. Like you were put in a position where you had no other choice. That's true. That's true. But, you know, um, violence in the circle of violence, I mean, you know, in, in that particular instance, um, I didn't receive a whole lot of um, um, force back, you know, because it, it was over pretty quickly. But in another one... Um, I was trying to to get a guy out of the bar mm -hmm. um, that had assaulted the lady. Um, actually, took her drink off her table while she was dancing on the dance floor. When she came back, she said, "Hey, that's my drink." Mm -hmm. And he said, "F you, B," yeah. and um, and threw the glass in her face. Yeah. And I knew this guy; he was kind of a hard ass. And I said, "You know, you got to go." Yeah. And uh, as as we're walking to the door, <clears throat> I knew that it was. He wasn't just going to go out easily. Yeah. You know, so, um, 
and I had just had a motorcycle accident a couple of weeks before. I had a, a broken collarbone. Oh boy, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Yeah. And so we get to the door, and um, he turns to 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 throw on me. I could tell. Yeah. Instead, I swung on him. Yeah. But my shoulder went out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it went out. My it went, <laughs> yeah, exactly. My um, oh my lord! My arm went around his head he and flipped. hit yourself in the head. No. Yeah, pretty much. Oh man! And he flipped me to the ground. Oh. And he grabbed me by my hair. My hair was very long at the time, and grabbed me by my hair, and went into his pocket. And I didn't know what it was, but I saw the gleam. Oh, um, boy. The light hit it, and it's, it was a straight razor. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I was flayed back like, like a Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, when man. When suddenly one of my friends, uh, one of the other bouncers, punches the guy. The thing flies up in the air, and, and, and I'm God. able to get up. Yeah. But um, You might have cut your hair. You might have cut your throat or your face or something. That's what, exactly that's what terrible. I thought. Then he might cut my throat. But um, again, you know, I hate violence, and you know, yeah, I, no, I, I understand that too. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, I have to. I work at the Dresden. <clears throat> excuse me, as the floor manager, right? Or right. As I like to say the mayor, <laughs> and then I'm the floor manager when I have to ask people to leave, and some people don't want to leave, and some people want to just do what they want to do. And I recall, I haven't touched human beings at the bar, but maybe three occasions, four occasions, and I've been there eight years. Yeah, that's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, because it, it's a big thing with me that if I can't convince you, if I can't compel you with, with my language and my skill set, then th th it's a failure to me is the way I look at it. Sure, sure. Okay. But there was a guy who, I 86, who showed up the next night and says, hey, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong about me not being in this bar. I can come into this bar. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, uh, I have no idea what you're saying. You got to go. I'm telling you, you got to go. And I walked away, and he followed me into the dining room, the Dresden split. You've been there from the bar to the dining room. Oh, yeah, sure. And I stopped. And I said, hey, man, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm telling you why I'm going to be in your bar. And I, I grabbed him by this. He had a suit coat on from the back of the suit coat, and somewhere on the side, I'm not sure, kind of turned him a bit. And I walked him to the door, which was about 11 steps. And I remember having this thought, of using him to violently open the door, right? <laughs> right, right. So this is what you're talking about, I think. Like, am I a bad person if I rack his head into the door to open the door? In the scheme of things, my personal justice would say he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. How else do we teach? Some people get taught with spanking. Some people get taught with reinforcement of good behavior. This gentleman was devoid of good behavior. Yes. So in my heart, I wanted to spank that guy's face into the door. <laughs> sure. Sure. Now, I didn't do it. <clears throat> I really wanted to. I didn't do it. I have the neg I have the opposite feeling some days where I'm like, that guy deserved it, man. Sure. He didn't come back. But to me, sometimes I have this feeling of like, if I can make a more impact on this guy's thinking, he won't be out there doing it to someone who's weaker than me. Exactly. Which is where I get troubled. In other words, if I applied that to the cowboy story with the bloody teeth. Yes. And the missing teeth, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you had your collarbone that day. <laughs> I did have my collarbone. Um, and I don't, personally, I don't know that there's a problem with it. I agree with you. I'm not for using violence for anything. I would use talking people out of it, belittling myself, 
you know, I, I usually get, um, uh, they, they make some derogatory gay reference to me. They'll say, uh, I go, hey man, why you, why are you behaving like that? And they know they're getting called out on it. And they'll go, well, I don't know, faggot. You know why? Why are you know why are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah. Because they really want me to. They want to manipulate me to provoke the fight. Because I think inherently we all know we shouldn't pick fights, right? Yeah, I think we do. And so I give it to them. I go, well, I'm so glad we've established that I'm a homosexual. <laughs> I hope that doesn't bother you, but you still have to leave. So then they move to the next insult. Sometimes they call me a Nazi. Sometimes they, I mean, it's really strange to me. I don't know why people think this way. Yeah. But that person doesn't belong out there doing that to the next person is what I always think. Like my wife, she shouldn't have to deal with that guy. You, you shouldn't have to deal with that guy's attitude. Sure. I don't advocate violence, but if I could compel that person not to do that again, it would be a fantastic adventure. I don't know. I'm on a ramble here. I apologize for that. No, but, no, no. You're but not. I think it's pertinent to, I'm trying to tell you why I think what you did mm-hmm. is okay, at least in my realm. I don't look at the violence. I agree with you. I don't, I don't advocate violence, but self-defense is a whole different thing than violence. It is. And, you know, and, and I agree with you. Like there are times when you're defending yourself, but you're probably also defending a, a lot of, a lot of others because I know that guy, the, the guy with the, or the guy Missing without teeth. the teeth. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's about common, common good, commonwealth, right? Yeah, I know. Healthy commonwealth. Oh, absolutely. And you know, and I know that it's going to be. Um, he'll have you know, he'll have second thoughts about using yeah. that word with somebody else, or using that that type of behavior, because you know, correct. Even though I I got into fights because of of, of, of racial animus. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> most of the fights I got into um, at at the five spot that bar. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, John was because I was I was protecting people being bullied. Yeah. Usually I women. I hate bullies. Yeah. I, I hate bullies. I, I do. T- in, in fact, most of, most of the encounters I've ever gotten into have been with a bully. Yeah. From, from grade school up. You know, pick on somebody weaker. Right. You know, I'm not a superhero. I don't know why I feel like I I think you are. I think you're a superhero. <laughs> That's why, man. That's why you got to do it. You know you're a superhero. <laughs> well... In fact, that's the first thing you say when we go to the bar. Hey, bartender, remember I'm a superhero. I want a drink. <laughs> well, usually it works. So it works every time because they know you're a superhero, my friend. <laughs> and he looks at you and says, "Why'd you bring kryptonite in with you?" He's talking to me, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I totally agree. And I, I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I did kind of dwell on it or hijack the conversation in that no, direction. No, no. But I do find it interesting because you're one of the you're one of the guys that I I'm happy to discuss um, racial uh, issues with because I think that you have lived a, a really interesting life and you have a sense of balance in the way you look at things and describe things. I don't know if that's because we're older and we can you know, relax a little bit when we look at things. I think that helps. And I remembered asking you once, uh, I mentioned that, you know, I get, for a period of my life, I got pulled over by the cops all the time. Yeah. I had an older vehicle. I was living in Burbank. There was a period of like three or four months where I got pulled over once a week, sometimes by the same cop. Yeah, yeah. And they never really had a reason. It's just I had this older beat-up car, and it's it's out of place in the city that I live in. And uh, sure, sure. Um, and I think that's what prompted me to ask you. I was at this period where I, I I was getting you know where you feel that I'm just being hassled. Like I'm not saying they didn't. I mean, there was some malice in it. I'm not saying that they're just doing no. what they do, how they do it. Sure, right? sure. 
But when you're the person who's like receiving it and you're, you're going, okay, you know, that's cool. I'm just not going to make this an issue. Yeah, I'm going home, coming from work. It's a bar. I haven't been drinking. You know, and then I politely at the end go, well, so why did I get pulled over? It's your taillight. It's always the taillight, by the way. Um, sure. Yeah. But, you know, in years past, too, I've, I've run into problems. So I remember asking you, um, like, your experiences of being pulled over. And I think you told me something about you, you, you listened to what I said, basically the same stuff. And you mentioned, um, well, yeah, we used to get pulled over, but there was usually a shotgun to the back of the head that was involved. Yeah. So do you, would you share a little of that insight? Because as a devil's advocate, I might suggest, well, that's because I was in a suburb and you were in a major city. So you can dispel that. I'm just playing devil's yeah. advocate just to allow you a point to start the conversation. Well, you, you know, John, uh, fortunately, uh, uh, or unfortunately, my father and my mother divorced at an early age, so I grew up with my mom. And she had to teach me the lessons that um, fathers usually teach. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's a talk that all black parents have to have with young black men. Yes. And that's about getting stopped by the police. Yes. You know, um, don't give them reason to kill you. Right. You know, especially back in the 70s, uh, LAPD was notorious throughout throughout the world. You know, for the brutality to, to people, especially people of color. Right. And so I'd get stopped. Um, when, sometimes it wouldn't even be a stop. I mean, it wouldn't even be a, a, a headlight or a rear light. They'd just blatantly pull you over. They'd just pull me over. I, I remember getting pulled over. I had a guy flashing his, his, um, his bright lights in me, and I looked over a couple times. What was he doing, <laughs> you know? And, oh, uh, man. Well, I know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then he, he lit me up. Yeah, and he comes over um, to my car, and there's you know a couple of them, and one's on the other side. You know they took the positions, guns drawn, and um, the guy walks up to me, and I made a mistake of asking him, "Why'd you pull me over?" Yeah, they don't like that. No, and he, I remember him hitting me in the temple. Oh, geez, that did. Okay, really didn't like the barrel that. of That's, his gun. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, and I looked, and it looked like the 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 gun was cocked you know i mean that could have gone up mis- like it was a violent push oh yeah it it, it, Got, yeah. it knocked my head you know to the side That's, it's like yeah. wow what you know and yeah and he said i pulled you over because you were you know looking behind you know like, like suspiciously yeah like you were flashing me you know and, and anyway yeah. i'm down on the ground again Handcuffed. Again, sorry to laugh. Oh, every time, every time. We, it's just the tone. I mean, it's like I can relate again. Yeah, late sixties. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I'd get stopped three or four times a month. John. Yeah. Um, sometimes more frequently, and um, they pull you out of the car yeah. and <clears throat> they said we got a, a, a report of, of of a stolen vehicle. I'm driving my mom's car. Right. And they stole it. She gave me permission, but like the three of us are, are on the ground. Yeah. In the street. With a shotgun at the back. Uh, yeah, that's what you told me. At the back of our neck. That's terrible. You know? and, and that happened multiple times. And what area in L.A. were you, what, what area in L.A. did that incident happen in? Um, those particular incidents happened Crenshaw area. Crenshaw. And at, yeah. back in the day, was that a notorious, were the cops just that way throughout all of, I, you know, I moved out here 20 years ago. I don't know. Right, right, right. So was it like all of L.A. was notorious that way, or were there areas that were worse than other areas? Well, you know, <clears throat> South Central and South L.A. Were, were worse than most areas. Right. But it wasn't, 
It wasn't where like you went to another area and you would be treated any differently. Right. In Beverly Hills, I've been stopped by the police. Right. Um, it's just you're suggesting maybe certain areas were a little more violent in the way that they would be yeah. intrusive on your rights, basically. Well, yeah. Although I have to tell you, um, uh, my friend and I, George, were walking down um, Wilshire Boulevard one right. day. And Wilshire Boulevard, I mean, that's like Hancock Park, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And um, back then, this before Koreatown existed. And we were standing at a um, at the corner waiting for the light to change. Right. And all of a sudden, I see this guy walk up to George and put a, a, a gun to his head. And before I could um, open my mouth, there was one next to mine. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we they have us against, I'll never forget this, John, because of... Uh, because of emotional value, but we were standing there um, against the window right. of, of, a, of a cafe, and <clears throat> they had guns on us, and they were- uh, They being the police. They, they, yeah. they were policemen. They were, they were yeah, I just want to clarify. They were playing close men, and you know, yeah. um, they, uh, they identified themselves, LAP, well, they said LAPD. Yeah. Could have been anybody. Exactly. And um, so we're against the glass, and I remember these two kids with their mommy. Oh my gosh. And they were looking up at, at having dinner with, with their, their mom and they were pointing and and the mom just kind of took them and said, don't look, yeah. don't look. And they're little kids of color. Yeah. And you know what? Just like I remember that, you know, 30 years ago, I bet you those kids remember that too. I would think so. And and that's, and, and, and when we talk about these things, when I talk about these things, I try to make people understand that those kind of things <clears throat> Those are scarring incidents, and they don't go away. Right. You may not see the scars, but they still they, they're there. You know, John. I think I told you this, but a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I was um, with my friend in Culver City, um, Dr. Howard Bass. He's a retired doctor. Mm -hmm. um, I am at the time of this. I was an, uh, uh, an actor, and and I also happened to be the. Um, the information security officer for the LA County Department of Health. Right. You know, um, I have over 30,000 employees and stuff. I mean, I was a pretty high position. And so we were both respectable men. We yes. got stopped. Um, and it was my fault because I had the wrong tag on, on my yes. car. I had received my registration, but I forgot to put the tag on. Because, you know, you have to clean your plate before you do it. Yes. So anyway, they stopped us. And, 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 and the officer was, was polite. It was a female officer, and she was polite, and she went over, she checked the car. She said, Mr. Noble, uh, do you know why you, I stopped you? And I said, probably because I didn't have my sticker on. I got my thing last week. She said, yeah, that's correct. Okay, I'm going to let you go now, but I need to ask you a couple of questions very quickly. She said, have you ever been arrested? Arrested for um, burglary and break-ins? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to laugh. I just I, I had a similar <laughs> experience as why I'm laughing. Did you? And, yeah. and it was like... I'm 64 years old, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. well, well, and, and, and it was, it, it, it broke my heart, John, yeah. to know that if they were asking me questions like that, what they must still be doing to, to young men of color. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I so, I wanted, you, and I thank you for sharing that because I wanted you to share that because I think that, um, whatever audience I can garner with this particular show, 
I think that you're very balanced when you explain these things and you, and you explain it in a way that's effective and meaningful. So I, I greatly appreciate the fact that you're explaining this. Yeah, you know, I, I, I want, you know, people to understand that, you know, I have serious problems with the way um, um, police treat uh, people of color. Yeah. However, you know, I also have friends that are, are, are law enforcement officers. And, you know, I even had, um, I've, even, I've even had my life saved by a, a police officer before. So, you know, I don't have this no, I get broad brush of, yeah. of, about police, you know, but I think it's important that I call out, you know, when there is injustices. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because to take your story, your point, like this is, this is how I want my conversations to go. I, I want to validate your experience. I don't want to argue your experience, right? Right. And so your point about um, the idea of the scar that remains in particular in the example you gave, the two kids mm -hmm. dining with their mom. Because you're saying, well, okay, there's an implication, like I'm a big boy, I'm dealing with it, I got it placed where I can deal with it. I don't like it, but it's part of the life and I can deal with it. Mm -hmm. But your point feels like, what effect did it have on those two young minds? Absolutely. And how lasting is that so that in today's world if someone's saying you know there's injustice that maybe it comes from an experience like that that may or may not be coloring a reality today but it's for fact it's going to be there oh yeah absolutely and, and that's that's what i think is the most compelling aspect to to that particular story i mean that's why i love talking to you the way you tell stories are just they're great stories, and they feel it feels a little bit like a fable in a way. Like there's a good message in it, you know. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I I uh, I, I think that um, you know, especially because we teach doctors how to be empathetic. Yes. I always find it fascinating. It's like how can we? You know, I, I know cops too, and some of them I would attest have my skill set with language. So I'm thinking they're not being that way. I don't know, I'm not on the job with them, and I'm sure I've met a ton that aren't very good at communicating. Now, I'm not saying they're bad cops. Yeah. But to me, it will rally a bunch of internal emotions that are, uh, I guess someone might use the term triggered. I don't particularly use that word. But inside, I'll be like getting tense, and I'll be like, oh, I see what they're, they're doing that, sh that they, they do. You know, they pull me over, and now they're going to do this. Now they're going to pretend like there's a reason that they pulled me over. They just want to see if I'm okay driving through the neighborhood. Why don't they just say that? Let me go on my, you know. And so I'm, I'm getting stressed. I know because I've been conditioned from the behavior. You know what I mean? And sure. it's what you're talking about, only at a greater loss. Yeah. To because I'm like you at that point. I'm like, well, I'm a big boy. I know what I have to do. I'm just going to do it. Move on and forget about it. And it's just what it is. Yeah. But how does it affect, um, like you say, in your case, there was these two you know, beautiful kids that... Oh, absolutely. That's part of their introduction into law, law enforcement. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, who knows where that ended up. Exactly. You know, and one of the things that troubles me most, John, about that is that <clears throat> kids, um, kids grow up in, um, in, in the ghetto. I'm going to use the term the ghetto. Little old school there, baby. Yeah, but I'm going to use the term. Um, but they they grow up in 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 areas where when they, when they encounter trouble, yeah, they're reluctant to call the police. Yeah, you know, um, they're reluctant to call because 
of things that they've seen when they were kids. Trouble's in the majority in some of these scenarios you're talking about. So oh. you can't take on trouble by going to an authority because basically you're asking for more trouble for yourself at a personal level. That's exactly it. Exactly. And it's because, you know, like I say, it's in the majority there. And you don't know who to trust and who not to trust because it's been eroded as far as the structure, the social structure, I would suggest. I don't mean, I, again, I hijacked you, but I like <laughs> yeah, doing right. that. <laughs> right. All right, I give it back to you. Because <laughs> no, I, I did interrupt you. I'm sorry about that. No, no, I was going to say, you know, um, it, that's that's one of the, the scariest parts is that is, is a basic uh, mistrust. Yeah. Of, of authority and authority figures and, and, and the authority figure that you come into touch um, most often with are, are police. Yeah. You know, I um, I was with a friend and we got stopped out. In, we were just standing out in front of our, um, the um, the building that I lived in. It was in a, it's not a building, but an apartment complex, a, a bunch of, uh, not an apartment complex, but more like uh, little homes. And um, a court is what we called it. And... <clears throat> We were standing out in front of, um, and we all lived there, and three of us, three or four of us, and <clears throat> um, the police uh, rolled up on us, and um, we all just stood there, but right. one of my friends um, took off. He ran. Right. He was afraid, but, you know, I guess we were afraid too, but we were too afraid to run. Um, they ran him down, pulled him back, um, beat him up, and... Yeah. They heard the noise and stuff. People came out. His mother came out. His his older brother came out. Right. Um, other people that lived in the area, and including kids, and um, they ended up manhandling his mother and beat up his brother, broke his brother's arm. Right. Um, this was the day before our prom. Oh boy. It was the day before our prom. Um, he went to jail that night. He got out the next day. Okay, because we kept calling. When's he going to get out? When's he going to get out? Right. Is he going to be able to go? And um, the next day, about two o'clock, he got home and said, "Oh, great, he's home." Went down to see him. His face was a complete mess. Yeah. They said that when they put him into to the to the to the jail, he um, um, just started banging his, his face against um, oh. against the bars. Right. I've known this guy like almost all my life. Yeah. He's never had anything yeah. like that before. I mean, both his eyes were swollen, his, his lips. I yeah. mean, it was just a horrible beating that he took. And uh, of course, he didn't go to the prom. But you know, the yeah. thing—you know—I remember that very, very graphically. And I, and I wonder if the children that saw that. No, I—I I, I mean, day, I hear what you're saying. I—I yeah. I was gonna in my glib way go and did you forget all about that you know because of course that's going to leave a lasting impression on oh absolutely how you look at those scenarios the rest of your life even still today i bet sure um and and it's valid because we all operate on our personal experiences and go that's how i make my decisions at least i'm like yeah you know i remember uh, this isn't going to go good because this is what happened and this is what happened. This. Or all right, this is going to go amazing because this is what happened and this is what, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's some real American tragedy there. Yeah, it is, you know. And um, it's, 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 it's been very difficult, you know, to see um, or to discover that our, um, our society is, is not moving forward. 
but we seem to be regressing yeah. in in terms of those type of encounters and and, and, and relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I have um, I have many friends from all over the world of all races, creeds, and colors, and um, and I love it like that. Right. I love my world, right? But um, another world is infringing on my world now. And yeah, it's, and it's, it's it's a little scary. Yeah, no, it's it's really scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I mean, I'm a bit younger than you, and I do remember. Mm-hmm. It felt like a lot of things had been overcome when I was a young man. Yeah, it really did. And there's some issues today that uh, I don't understand why it's being rehashed, and there's sides that are bringing it to weird odd places and I don't understand it I don't like I'll look at my son who's barely 20 he'll be 19 next month and I'll be thinking well you know he seems to have a pretty balanced view on on life and and I'll think boy he doesn't know that it's things are kind of harder now socially for example than they were then yeah And, and in two ways there's more social rules and then there's more social weirdness yeah and it's like, wow, where's the ease that I got to experience that doesn't seem to be, I don't know, maybe it's just time to move to some rural setting and live out by myself and go, hey, I'm not bothered by anything because I'm not having to deal with anything. I don't know. It is weird, though. Your point's well made. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but, you know, when I was a kid, I must have been about 11, and uh, my mom came to me. <clears throat> um, my mother and my grandmother, uh, I lived with my mother and my grandmother. Right. And my mother came to me and said, listen, honey, I'm going to be going out of town for the weekend. Right. And um, I said, where are you going, Mom? I, she said, I'm going to Washington, D.C. There's a man down there um, who is <clears throat> doing amazing things to help colored people. Mm-hmm. That's what she said, colored people. And um, his name is Martin Luther King. Right. And, I'm, and a, lot, a lot of colored people are going down there. I get a little choked up whenever I tell the story. But... Um, so excuse me, but um, I um, I said okay, okay, mom. And later on that weekend, I was w- with my grandmother uh, in front of our black and white TV, and they were um, they were broadcasting the um, the march on Washington, right, where Martin Luther King did his um, "I Have a Dream" speech. Oh, what a brilliant thing! And my mother was sitting there. Oh, that's so there. cool. It was, and um, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it really was, and um, and I had hopes that things were were, were different. Yeah, you know, even even after the death of um, Dr. King, and um, and the Kennedys, you know, I still had hope, and things did seem to be different for a while. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, um, something just crept back in. I'm not sure what it is. Well, you know what, Thomas Jefferson, I think, of all people, um, said that. Um, the price of freedom is never free. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Right. And I think that we just all took it for granted that things are better. And so um, so they're just going to keep on getting better and we don't have to do anything. You know, and the fact of the matter is we stopped working. It's kind of a tend your garden type of thing, huh? Very much so. Yeah. 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 Huh. Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner, Tenger Chauncey Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing stuff. We covered a lot. I am definitely just going to have to have you back. I'm 
I'm thinking that we're running into some serious time here. <laughs> yeah, I um, guess so. so I'm going to have to have you back to talk about some of the other things that was on my list for you to talk about. But all that said, to end on a more, not to say what we talked about is morose or anything, but to end on a more of a cheery thing, I was thinking maybe you could recant that uh, karaoke story, like when you sang karaoke with the Kaiser Doctors. What a beautiful adventure that was. Just so people can see like how we get along. Well, you know, I can't believe you really want me to tell that yeah, story. Yeah, it's a truthfully. beautiful, beautiful story. <laughs> well, you know, as we talked earlier, we get very stressed out. You know, it's, it's tough work that we do. You know, people think it's just acting work. How tough can it be? Believe yeah. me. When you're yelling for 20 minutes at somebody, and then you take a five-minute break, and then the next thing you know, you're breaking down and crying. That must be terrible. Look at that empathy. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, I'm sure you don't have to. <laughs> but um, and so we do meet. You know, um, a lot of uh, our care, care actors get together, and and we'll stop and have a couple of drinks, and right. you know, have dinner, and then maybe another one or two. And get spoiled by the boss. That happens quite a bit, and, and that's it, lovely. It and, does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does. But uh, I remember on this particular night, um, we had heard that the doctors were doing karaoke. Yep. And, and we got bounced around too, didn't we? Like it's on, it's off, it's, it's on, on, it's off. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. exactly. And so it was kind of uncertain. So we spent time at the bar waiting to find out. Yeah. Oh, it looks like they're going to set up stuff. And we'll let you know. And so we're sitting there and we have another glass of wine or another whatever we're having. Another whiskey for me. <laughs> yeah, another whiskey for you. Yeah. And um, I realized at this point, that I probably had had one glass of wine too many. I think you were one short, personally, but <laughs> yeah, just for the record. That, that's yeah. how I get Maybe in trouble two. with you. Maybe two short. <laughs> yeah. But um, I said, John, you know what? I don't think I should be uh, singing with people that I work with. And may I? I'm pretty sure I said, what are you talking about? You're going to be brilliant. That's exactly yeah. what you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I said, no, I'm not going to go, man. That would be horrible. I, you know, I, I had an experience some years ago at a company party and didn't you get naked or something yeah oh my gosh i forgot i was kidding man yeah that's a hey i want to see you sing some karaoke but yeah that's a we'll, we'll save that that's story hysterical for man yeah but you know so i try to make sure not to ever party too much with yeah. people that i work with I mean, except for the care actors, you know, because yeah. we're all actors, we're all kind of strange, and, and, and we're all very forgiving and accepting. But, you know, dealing with corporate types is a different thing. Yes. Even though these doctors that we work with are, are great people. But I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of them because there's a yeah. certain level of... Well, then you shouldn't have sang. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I tried not to. You convinced me to go when you knew that. Well, I'm going like... to let you tell the story, and then I'm going to tell you the way I saw it. Okay. And then we'll, we'll end out for the day. So anyway, I go to karaoke, and uh, John tells me he's going to sing too, but he doesn't tell me he's going to sing one of his own songs that he knows really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> In my key, for sure. <laughs> I don't key. have to sweat it. <laughs> yeah. But for whatever reason, um, I let John talk me into singing with a little help from my friends in front of the doctors. Yeah, it was good. It, it, it was brilliant. I don't know how brilliant it, it was. It was but... as promised. <laughs> now, see, I remember it different. Of course you do. I do. I remember you having a drink and going, gosh, I, I normally drink a lot more when I sing karaoke. I'm really nervous and shy to sing without getting hammered. <laughs> oh and I God. said... Raphael, look, 
you're you're helping yourself by not you know involving so much alcohol with the process have a little faith in yourself it's just time to know how brilliant you can be i remember saying that do you remember me saying that john you never said that in your life (laughs) (laughs) and then i remember you leaning over because there was a bunch of us and you leaned over and you said whatever i say please help me sing this song tonight that's what i remember And, and I so thought you, I had too much to do. Yeah, and when you said you are going to your room, I was put on task by you to make sure that you sang your songs. Now, yeah, I might have been screaming, take it off the whole time you're singing your song, but you didn't listen to that part. <laughs> I remember grabbing my crotch during my performance. Yeah, I think you did do that. Yeah, you I were did. doing the Michael Jackson thing, though. It no, wasn't... I was doing Joe Cocker. Oh, I didn't notice the convulsive upper body. (laughs) I didn't remember that part. I was just proud that I talked you into going. Yeah, John, that's probably one of your most dubious achievements. I love it, baby. I love it. And with that said, I want to so much thank you for being on this show. Oh, bro, I'm glad to be here. Sharing our relationship to the world, I think, uh, will make it a better place. After all, you, my friend, are a superhero. Well, and you're Robin. Thank you. I'm superhero boy. Yeah. <laughs> Sidekick man. Sidekick man. <laughs> anyway, it was lovely having you on. It. Hey, Jeez. John. Thanks, bro. You're welcome, sir. Hey there, this is John. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival here at the CEF.world. Also, like to say, hey, thanks, Raphael, for being on the show. 